Praise God, you guys. Uh, years ago, I did a message called, Which Ship Are You On? You know? Uh, and uh, some of you remember that. Uh, and we have a lot of people that moved that still listen to this. So some of those were probably involved too in handing that thing out. We did a door-to-door campaign with the cassette tape. It was back in the 1700s when we used cassettes. A lot of young people never heard of these things, you know. Uh, but it was a long, many, many moons ago. And uh, that, people just, I decided we were going to use that because so many people were always handing that, that out. Much like a track I wrote uh, some time ago called uh, Are You on the Way to Heaven? Are You on the Road to Heaven? A lot of people love that track. Well, people would use that as a witnessing tool, so we ended up passing that out. Uh, hit a lot of doors in Simi Valley and so forth. Saw people come uh, to the Lord and the fellowship. Uh, but we expect this campaign to be way beyond that. But you know, it was based on the, the, which ship are you on? The Ark, with the subtitle of the Ark, or the Titanic. And interestingly enough, here we are having another campaign, and I have footage that we shot when we did a video called Left Behind or Led Astray regarding the, you know, the timing of the rapture. And when we did that video, we also interviewed people that had to do with the Titanic in Scotland and Ireland. You know, we went overseas and, and Chris Pinto, who was shooting uh, using the, the camera as I would uh, do presentations on both of these subjects, it was quite adventurous. Susie, you were there. That was a pretty awesome trip. Which one of you was driving on the wrong side of the road headed to traffic? My wife, wife. okay. (laughs) Lisa, she just put up her hand real quick. She was, Tony was like freaking out. (gasps) Tony was freaking out the whole time though, right? (laughs) Okay, we had a a great time and we lived through it. But Chris said, Joe, I'm even more excited about the Titanic video than the Left Behind Road Astray video because the footage we were getting. We went to the... uh, the church of a man by the name of Harper who, survived, or who didn't survive it but was witnessing to people and his legacy in that church, I'm going to tell that story another time, was amazing. Crying out to people in the water, you know, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved as you know, they're all drowning. And he had given up his uh, life vest. Christian pastor. And we interviewed the, the leadership of that church. We went to the place where uh, they built the Titanic, these underground, you know, all built, and you're just there. And I'm interviewing the gentleman that does the tour, and I'm tripping out on the answers he's giving because he was giving me the stuff I was looking for, the spiritual lessons. And I was blown away that he was forthcoming and saying the things he was saying. Anyway, we came back, and uh, I intended to turn that into a documentary and time had gone by, and then I thought, wow, there's nothing that's really come up along those lines that would really spark an interest. The Titanic by itself has captivated much of humanity. Anybody knows about it more than just about any other tragedy on the planet, uh, because it happened that, you know, think if there was a jumbo jet that went down, and you had like Elon Musk on there, and you had Zuckerberg on there, and you had Donald Trump on there, right? And you had political and rich and famous people. That would be huge news, right? Well, that's how it was with the Titanic going down. You had some of the richest people in the world on there, some of the most famous people in the world on, on, that, on that ship. And it was such a tragedy because nobody thought the Titanic would go down in its maiden voyage, 100, just 100 hours at sea. And it was amazing. So it really, you know, the collective consciousness of much of the planet 
trips out when they hear about the Titanic. But it wasn't in the news, and I'd been thinking about it so weird lately that, Lord, that thing, that video is getting older. I'm going to look like I'm 70 years older if I'm narrating that or I'm talking, you know. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. But it's going to, I'm like, am I ever going to get that out? And I just, you know, been putting that before the Lord a little bit this year. And then this whole thing happens with this submarine, which, by the way, is called the, you know what it was called? Titan. Isn't that interesting? The Titanic is, they both have, the etymology is based on a certain mythological character, which is characters, which is quite interesting. And we'll talk about that in a moment as well. But now this is captivating much of the planet again. And they'll be talking about it through for the next couple of months. Netflix just put on, uh, they just picked up the movie The Titanic again, you know, uh, just real recent. And, and, and uh, Chad had showed me that the other day, or yesterday, I think because I was letting him know I'm going to pick up the Titanic video. So we're going to do one that's totally different than the Titanic. It's going to be on celebrities and depression and how they're empty and how fulfillment only is found in Christ. That's what one track's going to be. But the message I'm going to give you today is based on the other track I'm writing on the Titanic. And uh, I think this could be a very, very good track to pass out. And then we'll have a video that people can go with a QR code to the deeper parallels that... Uh, you know, that you can get, go forth in a documentary. So we get to finally use that footage. Uh, and it's, it's tragic what happened, but I said, okay, Lord, we can actually, you've got people's attention and your providence to look at this again, you know. And praise God, it's great to see, a, you know, pretty much a packed house today, you know, uh, a bunch of Jesus lovers. Love you guys, you know. Lisa woke up and she had a hard time getting up this morning. And I'm usually, you know, I, couldn't, I was awake for two or three hours, you know, and uh couldn't get to sleep, but I praise God for that. And then, and then when I woke up, you know, uh, and sprung out of bed a little before her, I felt like she felt, you know. She looked like she, and she goes, one more day to go. And I, go, I was thinking of yesterday, finally, okay, now we get a rest for a minute. I, I forgot about today. I knew today was coming, but it's so normal, right? But I thought, oh, that's right, I have a home fellowship. Don't worry, I've almost finished that message to you. I've got like seven, ten more minutes of work on that, so you guys will be good. But I have to race to Costco and get some tri-tip and barbecue for you, too. But you see, i got to be Mary and Martha today a little bit, but that's fine. It's all for Jesus' glory. But I'll tell you what, guys. Uh, Father, please help us to get this in your son's name. You guys have an opportunity. Jesus constantly used things that were going down around him as examples, uh, as illustrations. He could use something like the birds that fly through the air, a vine in its branches, but he would use also, for instance, a tower that fell on some people, a tragedy, uh, and because he knew people were talking about it. He said, do you think the people that were crushed by that tower were more wicked than anybody else here? He said, unless you repent, you all likewise perish. He used examples uh, to get people's attention and to wake them up to the reality that they needed to deal with their sin. And we learned this, 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 this strategy from Jesus to take what's happened. You need to do it a tasteful, caring way, of course, but you need to let people know that they need to get right with God. Because I think, and I think it's really, really, really amazing that there, there's just thick irony, layered irony, in regard to the, what happened with the Titanic, then the Titan sub, and what's happening to the world right now. There's uncanny, ironic parallels that actually make me want to cry right now when I think about it. Because so many people are perishing right now. And the crazy thing is, is 
there's so much news out on what happened with that submarine and how there were so many warnings about it, about how, you know, James Cameron came on and he was saying what everybody else was saying is that there were so many warnings that weren't heeded, you know, that, that this thing was going to, you know, collapse under the pressure. People had come out prior to that saying the window uh, was not, it wasn't strong enough. The, the graphite material, you know, uh, could, could be, end up becoming porous under that pressure. Uh, there are all kinds of warnings that took place. Uh, and those who, you know, you have a, basically a joystick, like a Nintendo-type controller, you know, used to steer this thing, a little toy that could glitch, you know, easily. Uh, all these things that, you know, people were concerned about and warned about. And, but guess what? You know, there's money involved. It costs $250,000 to take a ride. And what are you going to go see? You're going to go see a graveyard of the Titanic. And the irony, the thickest irony to me, is the, re the reason the Titanic went down. Uh, and the name of this message is the real reason the Titanic sunk. Not which ship are you on right now. Because I'll give a couple messages along these lines. Because I went through my notes uh, you know what? I was seeing if anybody had posted my message, which ship are you on, that I did so many years ago, because not all of them are in the present archives, because a lot of them were on, on cassette that weren't translated to CD or what have you back then. And I typed, which ship are you on? And as far as I know, I was the first one using that title. And I found on YouTube, when I tipped in that, all kinds of people used my title. Not that it was my title, but you know what I'm saying? I thought, everybody but me, I'm like, okay, my message isn't up there. Time to do it, Lord, you know? And it was already in my heart to do it. And I was like... Okay, a lot of people are using which ship are you on? But as I looked at my notes, I thought, man, I should have capitalized on the movie when that came out because our, our message came out long before the movie came out. And then I went to the Good Fight. I saw the Good Fight site on Google. I'm like, okay, I did a message on this for our Good Fight site. And it's an incredibly long message, which I'm not going to repeat in any of my messages here. I'll say some things from that, that message. But I was like, long, long message contrasting the arc with the Titanic. It's worth seeing if you're listening by way of live stream or what have you, or anybody here, you want to read that, you'll trip out because it contrasts the arc and the Titanic. But, so, and, but I want to do a couple messages, two, three messages or so through the next uh, couple months or so where topical message. We're not in Revelation anymore, so I get to do a little bit more topical stuff. And then we'll be getting the book of James pretty soon. Uh, but this, I want to do something on singles and, and singleness pretty soon and uh, marriage here, you know, all these cool family things that we need to address as Christians and we need to be, on, be you know, a port, uh, supportive of and, and be blessed by, amen. But I really want to encourage you guys to read that article, because I'm not going to cover a lot of that information. But I wanted to talk about the real reason the Titanic sunk. And it's not a conspiracy view. It's right out there. People just don't talk about it much. It's, it's in your face. It's the main reason it sunk. Well, Joe, we all know why it sunk. What are you talking about? It hit an iceberg. Come on, Joe. No. That was what happened as a result of the real reason it sunk. It hit an iceberg for another reason. Okay. And some of us know that reason, but I want to put, you know, flesh and blood on the skeleton and say, hey, this is obviously the reason it sank. But this is the irony. Those that went down in that sub, one gentleman stepped back. I was talking to Steve Aguilar, and he's heard a story. talking to him yesterday. He's hearing a story about a gentleman that said, no, I'm not getting on that thing. There's too many unanswered questions, you know, about that thing, whether it's reliable or not. So the, quest the questions were out there. Did everybody get the warnings before they went on? Well, guess what? You had to kind of sign your life away because on the first page 
uh, the first couple pages or so, the word death came up over and over again, that you know you can die. You know you could die. There were warnings, and they still went on. But guess what? They're going to look at a graveyard of the Titanic, and they're on the Titan, and they got warnings they didn't heed, and those who got, like, went on the Titanic, well, guess what? The captain and the crew members, they got incredible warnings that they did not heed. And that's still not the deepest of the reasons. Why were those warnings unheeded? And what's ironic about it, which layers the irony, makes it thicker, is you have the Titanic going down with a ton of warnings. You have people going on the sub called the Titan going down without heeding a bunch of warnings, judging those people. And now you have people on another ship called planet Earth flying through space, judging them for not heeding warnings while those on spaceship Earth are not heeding warnings about perishing, about life and death. The greatest questions, heaven and hell, Christ or Satan, light or darkness. So I think it's amazing. The deadly consequences, I believe the root of the reason behind why the Titanic went down is simple. It's called pride, right? In the middle of pride is the letter I. And it went for the down for the count and never rose again because of pride. What month are we in right now? No, it's, it's, it's June. I, I will refuse to call it pride month. What are you guys doing? Yeah, it's called pride month, you know? What did you guys do during Christian month? I mean, I'm sorry. We don't get a whole month. Christian day. What did you do during Christian day this year? Oh, we don't get a day even. What did you do during vet day? I mean, vet month or memorial month? People that gave their lives over and over again, all kinds of people gave their lives for our country. They don't get a month. And when anybody that gets a day or a month, it's not shoved in our face through every corporation and every newscast and every, and it's not paraded on the streets like Pride Month is. And we celebrate pride. But the scriptures warn us about pride and putting ourselves before God. And we need to heed warnings. So it's interesting. Another irony. This is an, they're so ironic. And this is why this, this captivated me very early on because I'd studied I studied comparative religion. I studied mythology. Even as a high school student before I was a Christian, I studied mythology and voodoo and Greek mythology and all that stuff, which many of you probably did as well. Uh, and it was interesting, it fascinated me that the Titanic was named after the Titans, these Greek monstrous gods, false gods, you know? And it, it interested me because the Titans, according to Prometheus, uh, in Prometheus Bound, an ancient Greek text, Prometheus is himself myth mythological, but according to the Greeks in the Greek text called Prometheus Bound, the great sin that the Titans were guilty of and the reason they went down to Tartarus, which was the lowest hell in, below Hades even in Greek mythology, was because of their pride. Isn't that interesting? I just think that's really fascinating. And they, according to 
Prometheus bound went down, yes, because of their pride. Well, the same thing happened with the Titanic. And I just think it's amazing because that's why many people, millions in this world, go down. Because of pride and not heeding the warnings that God gives them to repent and to get right with him. According to the dictionary, a dictionary I've had for many years called God's, a God's and Mortals in Classical Mythology, it describes the fate of the Titans, stating, quote, he, speaking of Zeus, the chief god of the Greeks at the time, then threw his Titan enemies down into Tartarus in the nethermost depths of the underworld, as far beneath Hades as the sky was above the earth. In this place of eternal gloom, the Titans were everlastingly imprisoned behind bronze doors with, the, with these 300 armed giants as their jailers. Now it's interesting, that's mythology, but a lot of mythology actually takes truths and they get twisted through time. Because guess what? The Bible does talk about fallen angelic beings. They weren't cyclopses and like some of the Titans and all that weird stuff. They're simply just fallen angels that Satan himself was judged because of pride. He said, I'll exalt myself above the stars of God, above the size of the north. I will be like the most high God. And he fell. Eve fell because she wanted to be, and she wanted to be as God. She fell for that lie. Then Adam fell. The angels fell. And Peter tells us that the angels in 2 Peter chapter 2 were, were cast down to Tartarus. Same Greek word. Isn't that interesting? Peter used that word because it was used by, by the Greeks to let them know they were thrown down into the depths, be, waiting for the judgment, according to Jude, of the great day of God, these fallen angels. Not all fallen angels were cast down uh, to, to, to that area, region. Many are on the planet right now that God didn't put because these, these committed a specifically a very egregious sin uh, together. But uh, many are fallen right now with Satan, and they're the prince powers and powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world that we, the demonic host, and I believe that's clear scripturally when you compare scripture with scripture, that that's who we're dealing with uh, in our spiritual war. But Satan is called, Leviathan is one of his symbols, the dragon, great dragon in Revelation 12, Leviathan, the dragon in the book of Job, he's called the king over all the children of pride. Isn't that interesting? So I don't say, hey, happy Pride Month for more than one reason, okay, as a Christian. In fact, there are many professing Christians that are actually on board. I've got quotes here. I won't even read them, but i got quotes here in this message where I was looking at a website by a United Methodist Church website. And they were all about inclusion and promoting homosexuality and promoting Pride Month. I clicked their website, and they brought up Romans 1, which warns not, men are not supposed to abandon the natural use of the women to be sexual with other men, and how women exchange the natural use of their bodies to be with other women. And Paul says those who conduct themselves this way have a death warrant written within them. And you know what that website says? That if you believe Paul's coming against homosexuality there, you need to repent. No kidding. I was like, what? I'm like, I had to read that honestly like two or three times. Wait, we got to repent, you know? Uh, 
Or if, you're, if you think Paul's condemning homosexuality, you've got to repent. Something like that. I was like, what in the world? And then he's saying, actually, if you're homosexual, it would be unnatural not to want to be with men if you're a man. When Paul, because Paul's coming against unnatural sex. But Paul's just coming against what he calls not natural as men being with men. Women being with women. It's, it's just basic anatomy lesson shows that. Amen? And the fruit of the teaching, man with man brings forth all kinds of diseases as well as fornication, heterosexual fornication and heterosexual adultery brings forth diseases, herpes, syphilis, gonorrhea, a host of diseases, some that are deadly, like deadly sins of AIDS can be spread that way among, even though it's more among homosexuals, HIV, which leads to AIDS, of course, among the heterosexual community as well. Sexual sin is wrong no matter how it's committed. And as Christians, we don't want to specialize in one sin being wrong. But when one sin, when one way of life that the Bible calls sinful is made, there's parades, it's no longer in the closet, but there's all kinds of, you know, it's, there's even a month named after it called Pride Month. That's something that gets your attention. Because Jesus spoke of those in his generation who was calling repentance as a perverse and adulterous generation. Well, now it's even beyond that. Now we have a perverse, adulterous, and homosexual generation, and it's being celebrated. And the White House, when Obama had said that he was against gay marriage, that it was wrong, lied to the, lied to the United States, you know, those who were voting, was elected. Then when it was ratified as state law or federal law, they lit up the White House in the rainbow colors. And then just recently, the Biden White House, what did they do? They raised the flag, but the flag that they would typically raise would be, the, well, they always would raise, would be the American flag in the middle, right? Well, they put the gay pride flag in the middle. First time another flag was in the middle and put the American flag to the side of it. This is, yeah, they raised it high, man. This is, yeah, we live in a crazy world right now. Yet we know uh, what the scriptures say. And this is exactly what the Lord said would happen. Now it's interesting because what possessed captain, the captain of the ship, okay, E.J. Smith, what possessed him to go over 20 knots an hour through a minefield of icebergs? Think about that. That's a crazy speed to go with any objects in your way, but you're going through, you know, icebergs that don't budge. We you talk about the tip of an iceberg, that's just the very tip. They go down real deep, and they're, super, they're like mountains in the, floating mountains in the sea. They don't budge when you hit them. What possessed him to go that, that speed? According to Lawrence Beasley, Lawrence Beasley uh, was a survivor of the Titanic. Most of the people perished. About 1,500 people perished. Okay, Just over 700 people lived. And he was one of the survivors. And Lawrence Beasley wrote a book called the loss of the SS Titanic. And in that book, he said before the Titanic struck the iceberg that the captain, Captain uh, E.J. Smith, was heard to say, not even God could sink this ship, according to him in his book. That's, yeah, amen, a big mistake. And that's pride. That's pride, okay? God could sink this planet with just a word, Right? And there is coming judgment to this planet. And 
that was, that's pride. And the Associated Press of the day uh, stated this, that all the wealth of modern workmanship could, be, could produce is embodied in the Titanic. So it was the marvel of modern ingenuity of the day. It was a state-of-the-art ingenuity. It was pride in man's accomplishments to thwart nature and to say, hey, look, we are invincible or near invincible. Look what we can come up with. And it was meant for rich people, and it was made, for, for the most part, to make other people rich. Uh, a shipbuilder magazine described the Titanic before its maiden voyage as virtually or practically unsinkable. No kidding, guys. You know what the Bible says? In Proverbs 16, 18, it says, Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before the fall. Proverbs eleven twelve says, When pride comes, disgrace follows. But with humility comes wisdom. They would have done well to heed the Proverbs, the word of God. Amen. Proverbs 29, 23 says, A man's pride will bring him low, even at the bottom of the Atlantic. But a humble spirit will, or, will obtain honor. Wow. Now, it's interesting. This is what's crazy to me. Did you know there was a ship that was warning them over and over again called the Californian? And if you're listening in other states, listen to this Californian. The Californian was warning them over and over and over again. Six times. Six times. Six different times. To, to you know, dangerous waters ahead. Change your course. And those warnings went unheeded. After all, the captain, who can sink this ship? God can't even sink the ship. And they, they just went ahead and they ignored the warnings. And it's just a, a, a real sad thing because uh, wireless or the radio man, John Phillips, okay, uh, with also Harold Bryce, the other radio man there, they were getting these warnings from the Californian. They didn't just say, oh, big deal, we're on the Titanic. They followed the protocol and they went, I'm not blaming these guys, but they went to the captain and said, hey, dangerous waters ahead. Californians warning us, there's dangerous waters ahead, we need to change course. 20 knots an hour, continuing that speed, refusing to heed the warnings. They kept going back to the radio. They get warned again. You guys need to stop. You guys need to change course. And guess what? The sixth warning came, which was the last warning. You know why it was the last warning? Because John Phillips said to the crew members of the California who were warning him, shut up, shut up, shut up. We're busy. Clunk. And then the rest is history. They scraped an iceberg, opened up the ship to water that began to rush in to the ship. And what a foreboding death because it was slow. It did just like, whoosh, everybody saw what was going on. By the mercy, by the grace and mercy of God, there were people that were given opportunities to repent for quite a while on that ship. Unfortunately, many refused to do so. In fact, uh, what's really interesting, they got a final warning before the fateful c collision. Okay? The, the warning I said where he said, shut up, shut up, we're busy. Well, it's kind of interesting. Uh, that was not to the Californian, though. That was another ship that was just up ahead. So they actually got two different ships warning them. And uh, this was from a ship operator uh, from another ship that warned, quote, I say, old man, we are surrounded by ice. They're up ahead. Let them know, this is what's going on. We're surrounded by ice. Warning them. 
And that was the actual, that was the actual uh, captain that heard, or I'm saying the crew that heard, shut up, shut up, shut up, we're busy. Boom. Now, it's crazy when you think about this because there's a lot of lessons in regard to what happened on the Titanic. Uh, James 4, 6 says, but God gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, right? He opposes the proud, but he gives grace to who? He gives grace to the humble, okay? If you're proud and arrogant, you want to do your own thing, you're not going to heed God's warnings to repent and get right. You're going to do your own thing. If you love the world and the way the world thinks and the evils of the world and you're just into the, the wicked ways of the world, which Jesus called the broad road that leads to destruction, you're in trouble. You become an enemy of God. He's opposed to the proud. James 4.4 4 says, you adulteresses. He's speaking of spiritual adultery, putting things, not somebody before your wife, that's physical adultery, but putting things before God in the world, the evils of the world before God, anything in the world before God. He says, you adulteresses, know you not that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore will make himself a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And 1 John chapter 2, and this was like the most worldly place on earth at the time, the Titanic, just the most luxurious, live it up, do your own thing, dance the night away, get drunk, whatever. Not that everybody on the Titanic was like that. There were some beautiful souls on the Titanic who feared God who were just on the voyage you know, and made right choices. 1 Peter 5, and verse 5b and 6 says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due season. Amen? Amen. We repent. We get right with God. We humble ourselves. We heed the warnings. We turn to him. He'll exalt us in due time. Jesus humbled himself more than anybody on earth, even to the point of becoming a human being, and even to the point of dying for us, and not just dying, but dying on the cross, the most humiliating way to die, stripped naked and mocked and ridiculed. He was humbled more than anybody because as God becoming a man, that's as humble as it gets, but even to the death on the cross, it says that he is exalted to the right hand of God and that he is the name that's above every name, amen? At the name of Christ, everyone will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord one day with their mouths and bow with their knees to him as Lord and that's amazing. Now, it's really interesting because pride was the order of the day, you know? And who could sink this ship? We could go through icebergs. Well, I don't know what he was thinking. Maybe we bounce off one. We just say, hey, we bounce off an iceberg, you know? We, but hey, we're good. Didn't work out that way. In fact, I think it's ironic that it was just scraping the iceberg is all it took. Isn't that interesting? I think there's a lesson there. We think we're so powerful and mighty that we can just go over anything in, human, in, in life, but a little scrape could do us in. That's fascinating in itself. So right now, uh, and it breaks my heart because this has been a tough month because everybody's come out of the woodworks in Pride Month, you know, as far as you have major corporations over the last couple months, actually, you know, Bud Light, you know, pushing it in your face, you know, with, with a, a young guy dressing like a woman, dressing like a little girl, actually, which appeals to the pedophiles out there, you know, uh, pretending he's a little girl. And uh, Bud Light, you know, they've lost a ton of money. You know, uh, we saw this with, you know, the Dodgers. And you talk about blasphemy, you know. You have, you know, them having at their stadium men dressed like nuns, you know, who dress sexually, like 
transsexually, it's their deal, and to have a man erected on a cross mocking Jesus, while a man sexually does all kinds of sexual perversion and uses the cross as a sexual pole with a man on him, and he's dressed like a woman. And they went there and got an award, you know. And then Target, literally targeting your children, you know. Literally, I mean, I'm not going to go into detail because that's it's all disgusting. But, you know, I'm not going to go into what they're making available. And people think that they're just really dumb. Wow, these are supposed to be business leaders, and they're just slitting in their throats with business. And I've been saying to you a long time, it's not all about money. Love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, for sure. So money's part of it. But why would people make such bad business deals? Well, there's an agenda, okay? And it's obvious, you know? Uh, because that's why I told you the, most, the highest grossing movies are kids' movies that are wholesome. Do you know that? Because all the Christians will go as well. Why don't they make more of them? They'd, make, they'd be so rich because it's not, they, they're more, more often, often about being edgy with an agenda, pushing the envelope so they can get pats on their backs by other you know, far-off you know, woke people. They'll say, wow, that was awesome how you did that. You, know, you got away with it. And we've shown that. We show, I, I've shown a video here where, I think it was here, we did on our Good Fight show at least, where you have leaders at Disney in a Zoom call because it's during COVID and they think it's private. And they're talking about how we're putting gayness everywhere and nobody's trying to stop us. There's an agenda. And you know what's been making some airtime right now? BlackRock. BlackRock is the biggest hedge fund in the world, managing more people's money than any by far. I think they've got not 11 billion, 11 it's hard to get your brain around this, $11 trillion plus that they're managing. And they give these monies to corporations. And they use people's money that invest in them. And they, guess what? They have an agenda. Is that a conspiracy theory? No. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's reality. That's why I'm always known when we put out our videos, they sold their souls for rock and roll other videos, we document everything. We show you where things, the, the, the academic journals, where things come from, and so forth. And this guy's the, the leader of BlackRock. His name is Fink. What a name for this guy, okay? Uh, managing this. By the way, uh, all the money that Bush used to bail out the, you know, the houses and so forth, that went through BlackRock. The money that we re re used to rebuild Ukraine in time, right now it's slighted to BlackRock's going to do that. But the leader of BlackRock, the CEO, said this. He said, you know what? He said the corporations, these companies we're working with, we need to encourage them. They need to force change in regard to transgenderism. They need to force change. He said force change, uh, force behavior. He said like two times and force change, I think once. We need to force them because they have, and that's a stated agenda. People need to start promoting transgenderism. And that's, I saw somebody use that. I've, I've quoted that a couple times on our show or so. But it's interesting that those who are quoting or playing him sometimes are you know, presented as though he just now said this. He said this. And it's on videotape. I showed, I've seen the clip more than once now. And he, he said this in 2017. And some, if we just said it right now, wow, look what we got. I think it's even more devastating. He said in 2017, and that's exactly what they're doing. Because guess what? These guys will bail you out probably if you lose some money. As long as you push the envelope, folks. And if you're not buying Bud Light, praise God you're not buying Bud Light anyway. You know, <laughs> you know. Lisa threw away all my Bud Light, you know. <laughs> no, I, I, don't, I don't drink at all. But anyway, uh, if you're, you know, not going to Target, you know, whatever, you know. But I'm, and praise God, but I'm letting you know there's an agenda. 
And I think it's important that we understand how serious this is because a lot of this is targeting children. A lot of the transgender movement get upset that they can't have access to our kids and tell story time dressed up like women in the libraries. You see people from all over different school districts and different, different states within the country, moms and dads going to praise God for them, taking a stand, saying, you're not going to teach my kids these things. And if you saw what's in a lot of these books, guys, oral sex, all kinds of things being taught to the little kids, gay oral sex, they're being inundated. But it's amazing when you look at what's going on because I did an expose a couple months ago before Pride Month, you remember, on the, on the you know, woke agenda. Remember that? Kids, San Francisco gay choir saying we're coming after your kids. Remember that message I gave a little while back? If you haven't seen that, check it out. I show a lot of clips and everything. And I point out that Harry Hay, the, considered the founder of the modern-day gay liberation movement, right, was a member of Crowley's OTO. And Crowley said he's going to make sodomy acceptable. He's going to go after America. And he's going to make it an aristocratic virtue in England because he was an English sorcerer. A Satanist. And Harry Hay belonged to his group called the Ordo Templi Orientis. And Harry Hay was called the oldest hippie because he was hanging out with the young people in the 60s trying to bring transformation. It's been a long movement, but look where we're at now. It's been working. It's been happening. And it's satanic at its core. And so we have what's called Pride Month. And, you know, and then you have little boys. It just breaks my heart. We just did a whole thing on on Megan Fox. I think it's got, I don't know, around 30,000 views or so, uh, which is good. A lot of our videos have been getting around 30,000 views or so lately, which is great. Uh, but she's dressing her kids up like, Angelina Jolie's done that. Uh, a lot of the actresses, a lot of them that seem out there, just to be honest with you, I mean, she calls herself a witch, Megan Fox. She's drank blood in, you know, an occult or satanic type ritual with her with Machine Gun Kelly and boasted about it, right? She says she's in touch with ancient energies and, and it's like akin to practicing a satanic ritual in a movie she did where the girl becomes a serial killer possessed by the devil. And she says she's been tapping into these ancient energies for some time. And a guy that called her out saying, you're dressing your... He said that he was a witness. I don't know how real it is because he said she lived in my community, you know? And he, and he said, I heard the nanny was with the kids out in public and where was in my, their gated community, and, and they were crying, saying they don't want to dress like girls anymore. And she threatened him that, hey, I'm a witch, and I'm going to do this to you. And she put a picture of two naked women, witches, that were caught by a, like a trail camera, I guess, or something like that. It was blurred out, of course, uh, eating a carcass of a deer, you know, and... Uh, you know, how much truth is in that? I don't know. She's joking to a degree, but at the same time, she says that her and her husband practice these occult rituals that are so intense that even Satan would be scared and feel like he has to pray the rosary. Yet you have people in the limelight. She's a Transformer actress that got the most acclaim from being the Transformer movies, promoting this to the world. Lawlessness. We have a lawless culture where the, those who do good are called evil. The Bible says that would happen. It happened in Isaiah 5, but it says that they will be haters of good in 2 Timothy 3. In the last days, the same thing would go on. They will not submit to authority. 
Think of the whole hatred of police officers thing. That's been happening in music for a long time. But now you see that coming out on the streets. There's a hatred for law. There's a hatred for uh, police officers. There's a hatred for even firemen in some quarters. There's a hatred for people in authority because we have anarchy. We have lawlessness being encouraged by the, the cult of woke, as I call them. That's what they are. It's a cult. It's a small group of people, relatively speaking, compared to the greater part of the country, but they're slowly inundating this nation to where more and more people are becoming so-called woke. And we need to wake up. You know who the first woke person was, right? Because they're acting like they're gods. We make the rules. We can kill a baby in the womb. We can decide what sex we are, even if it's not scientific. We'll claim it's the real science. Look at what the academics are saying now. The first one that was woke was when Satan said to Eve, your eyes will be what? Opened. And you will be as God. Now, it's really crazy when you think of what's going on here because just think of this. This blows me away. I did a study a little deeper than I've ever done before on the whole pride thing regarding what the Bible says with regard to pride and if, how it's connected. And I started looking closer at Romans 1, 2 Timothy 3, what happened in Sodom and the word pride as I began to look and say, does the Lord identify pride as part of that whole deal? And of course I knew he did already because in Ezekiel chapter 16 when it talks about the sins of Sodom. Now keep in mind, Sodom went up in smoke. Okay, remember the men, young and old of Sodom, went to where? They went to Lot's house, and they wanted the men in the house. These were angels that uh, transformed themselves, true transformers, into the appearance of men. But they didn't know they were angels, and they said, "Send them out so we can have sex with them." Young guys, older guys. They wanted the men. They want to have sex with them. And the homosexual community says, well, no, God judged them, the professing gay Christians, so-called. God judged them because of their lack of hospitality, not because of homosexuality. They weren't hospital enough. And it's interesting because in the book of Jude, it says something quite different. It says in the book of Jude that God laid them low, that he, he, he talks about in the book of Jude that God's, you know, he says, if he did not spare the angels in 2 Peter chapter 2, neither will spare you. And he talks about how what happened in Sodom as well and how Lot was a righteous man vexed by the evil around him. But in Jude, it says that they went after strange flesh. Strange flesh, yeah. The angels, just like the angels that went after strange flesh, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah also went after strange flesh, it says. In what way was it strange flesh? Men with men. Paul says it's not natural, Romans 1. Okay. This is very, very serious. And I, I'm going a lot slower than normal, am I not? I'm doing that because I really want this to soak in because this is something we need to be sobered up. We need to wake up to what's going on because it's, it's, it's ramped up, man. It's going faster than it's ever gone before. And you need to hold on to Jesus, man. You need to heed the warnings, amen? Amen. So it's interesting, in uh, the book of Ezekiel, which I think it's important that we understand this, it mentions the sins of Sodom and you know what the very first sin on the list is? Pride. Pride. Okay? Welcome to Pride Month. The first sin that goes through the sins of Sodom in Ezekiel 16 is a sin of Sodom. Okay? Now it's interesting. When Harry Hay, by the way, when Harry Hay, the founder of the modern-day gay liberation movement, a follower of Lester Crowley, 
his organ player for the Pasadena Ordo Templi Orientis, not far from here. You know, following Satan, but he's celebrated as oldest hippie. When he's marching in one of the early gay parades, you know, I've shown it to you before. Some of you have seen it. Do you remember seeing the placard that he was wearing in the gay parade as the head of the gay liberation movement? Anybody remember what it said? Anybody? What was that? Nambla. Nambla. Amen. I marched for Nambla, but Nambla, which Nambla is North American Man Boy Love Association. Okay, folks, you can't make this stuff up. How dare you tie homosexuality with pedophilia? I'm, you know, there's a lot of homosexuals who definitely are not pedophiles. Okay, for sure. But guess what? I'm not saying if, you're, if somebody's involved in homosexuality that they're also going to be a pedophile. Not at all. You'd be twisting my point. My point is, even the leader of the gay liberation movement, the originator of the modern gay liberation movement, was marching for National Man-Boy Love Association. And many, of, many homosexuals do love children. Well, so do Roman Catholic priests. Yeah. And guess what? They should be dealt with appropriately too. So this is very, very serious stuff. And this is where it gets kind of crazy, guys. When I was looking at Romans more closely and associating with pride, I was looking at Romans 1, and it talks about what would happen with regard to those who embrace homosexuality. And I was looking at the words there that were being used to describe them. And I've looked at some that are really kind of interesting before, like uh, filled with murder. It's like that's not all homosexuals, of course. But I showed you that the way homosexuals, Los Angeles and New York, City, they both had ledgers of brutal murders and how those that commit murder of their spouses is way more brutal than you typically would see in any other community among homosexuals with multiple stab wounds and so forth. I quoted the top forensic uh, criminologist on the planet in his book when he retired, not even writing from a Christian perspective. He's just saying he would know right away when he came upon a homosexual murder because there'd be multiple stab wounds. He'd know it was gay. I'm like, that's the first time I heard that. Then a gal came to me named Kathy, and she said, Joe, when you said that, you quoted that guy, check this out. And it was a book called The Red Book, a magazine, women's magazine. And I read it, and that talked about this guy. is like, hey, I'm researching this. It's really clear what they're saying in New York City and L.A. He goes, but as I'm saying this, this research will be terminated eventually because guess what? It's being considered, being considered discriminatory, you know, to keep files like this because it's a group of people and it's considered discrimination. Like, wow, and so it is. I'll never hear anybody talk about it. You hear me talk about it. Because I feel like the truth needs to come out, you guys, that there's some serious things. But a very interesting, in, in Romans chapter 1, where it talks about men with men and women with women, and, and they worshipped the creature rather than the creator, right? That's the lie. That's the woke lie, that we worship and serve self rather than the creator. It says in Romans 1.30 that there'll be slanderers, Haters of God, insolent, arrogant. Insolent is also in some translations translated despiteful. Insolent, arrogant, boastful. The word uh, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. The, uh, another translation, uh, Ellicott's translation of this is despiteful, proud, boasters. Ellicott states in his commentary for English readers, quote, despiteful, proud, boasters. The three words correspond to the distinction between act, thought, and word. I thought that was a great insight. The first implies distinctly insolence in outward bearing. It is a word translated injurious, 
injurious in 1 Timothy 1.13. The second is a strong self-esteem mixed with contempt for others. That pride, self-esteem mixed with contempt for others. The third is used especially of boastfulness or braggadocio in language. Kind of like being a peacock, parading it around and having insolence toward us, haters of God and his followers. And it's interesting, I, looked, I did a word study on that Greek word that's translated pra, uh, uh, haughty or arrogant or it means pride there of the homosexual community in Romans 1, just like the first sin on the list of Ezekiel, the sins of Sodom was pride. Are you seeing a connection here, guys? Are you seeing a connection? The Word of God is powerful, man. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. And it only finds it five times in the New Testament, which is interesting. It runs in Romans 1, 51, where it says, He has scattered those who were proud in their thoughts. The Greek word is hyper, hyperphenous, hyperphenous, okay? And hyperphenous, it's only used five times. It's used right there in Luke. But, you know, it's interesting. It's used another time. It's used in 2 Timothy 3. And when I did the word study, I thought, that's interesting. It's only used a handful of times. But it's used in 2 Timothy 3, and it's used in Romans 1, where homosexuality comes up twice, once in each passage. And because I thought it's interesting, because the word storge only comes up twice in the New Testament, and it's in Romans 1 with regard to the homosexual deal, and, and it comes up in 2 Timothy 3 where it's translated unnatural affection. And storge means what? Family love. But it's not storge, it's astorge. And it says they'll be without. In the last days they'll be without, which we're in the last days, they'll be without family love. What did BLM call for? The destruction of the nuclear family. What did Crowley say? Family's public enemy number one. But it's also in Romans 1, where it talks about homosexuality. It says they'll be without family love, astorge. Not storge, ah, which means in the gates, the a, the alpha in the Greek. Ah, storge, without family love. I thought it's interesting. The word pride is in both of these too. Because in 2 Timothy chapter 3, okay, uh, hyperphanus, hyperphanus is used there as well. And that's in 2 Timothy 3. Remember the passage. Paul says, in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of their own selves. Covetous, boasters, there's boasters. Proud, there's the next word, hyperphenous. Proud, blasphemers. Think of Dodger Stadium, what they, those guys did. Blasphemers, they were blaspheming Christ. Right, and, and, and it's being celebrated. They got an award even or, uh, there, you know, they came for an award. Proud, blasphemers, disobedient parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, astorge. So hyperphenous and astorge are both used there. They're both used in Romans 1. I never saw that. I, like to, I'm a, I love puzzles. I love seeing patterns in Scripture. And, and, and that just added to the picture for me. I'm like, because I, I thought, man, you got pride of Sodom, Ezekiel. You got pride in Romans 1. You got pride being something that stands out in 2 Timothy. And you just happen to have the pride month that we're in right now. No other sin, no other perversion is celebrated like this. And Satan loves it, man, because he hates marriage. Jesus said he created us from the beginning. He says it was supposed to be male and female, he says in chapter 19 of, of Matthew. And the two were to become one flesh. Amen? Amen? And the Lord said, be fruitful and multiply. Two men becoming one flesh does not produce life and they're not fruitful and multiply. The mortality rate, and this is what breaks my heart, 
if you're struggling with temptation toward homosexuality, I'm not your enemy. Paul said, am I your enemy because I tell you the truth? It's because I love you. I, can, I know there's various people here in this fellowship that I counseled before that have come out of homosexuality. Some that I've helped out and encouraged greatly in that. And just love the Lord. And they're just like anybody else who fell into something and they've overcome it. And they're like strong in Jesus now. You would never know. I don't think of them that way. I'm like, and if I do think, I think, wow, praise God, you are such an awesome God. Because Paul warns, don't be deceived, you know. Adulterers, fornicators, heterosexual, sexual sin, homosexuals, effeminate, that's men that seek to dress like women and be like women, the transgender thing. They won't inherit the kingdom of God. But they said, such were some of you, right? But you were sanctified. You were justified, right? In the name of Jesus, man, he forgave you and gave you a new life. And that Greek word, translated feminine, right there, is used in the first and second century of men that shaved themselves and put on women's perfume and women's makeup and women and get castrated, try to be women. And Paul said, the Bible addresses this situation way back then. It's very current because Paul said this would happen in the last days. And by the way, did you know there was a study done? When you have Megan Fox, who has claimed to be, when they use the term manic depression more, and a self-harmer and all those things, they did a study in 1991, which they'll never do again, I don't believe. And if they do do it again, it'll be to get different results, because it was a well-accepted study, where they took 16 women, mothers of transgender kids, that they're dressing like women or boys, specifically boys dressing like girls, and 17 women who have straight children. And they, and, they, and they studied them, and guess what percentage? The majority of the women of those children were diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. And they were incredibly depressed. And they had what they called symbiotic relationships with their children to where they were way beyond a helicopter mom to where the child was, was made to just... Where the child became... That, the mom was their life. Only the mom, you know? And before you knew it, they, wanted to, they, were, they were addressing them, saying, oh, my child's transgender. Isn't that interesting? Then when you think of what was going on with Megan Fox and some of these other stars that go through some of this depression and stuff, and you see what they're doing with their children. Megan Fox is dressing a reportedly her two-year-old boy as a little girl. Yeah, he told you, mama, I want to be a girl. No, he didn't, okay? And I don't know all the reasons that mothers do this and dads do this, but I know it's unbiblical. I know if you are a biological male and you're a bio- or a biological female, you are a biological boy or a biological female. And I gave you an example many years ago, I don't know, maybe seven years ago or so, not that long ago, I talked about the, to me it's like the emperor has no clothes. Remember, it's a little boy, and, and they didn't have a row, you know, clothes for the king, so they said, we're going to get in trouble. His tailors are like, let's say, let's say we got an invisible one. And they put it on him and say, and he's like, he knows he's naked, but they go, you look so great at this. Wow. And because of the little bit of peer pressure, and these are the tailors, they're the experts. Oh, wow, I do. Okay, great. And then he went out and paraded himself in front of everybody, proud of how he looked. And the little boy said, the emperor's naked. Everybody's like, Shh. And I said, this is, we know a man's a man and a girl's a girl. It's science, man. And you can't say, oh, you know, Mike Tyson, a boxer, a lady that boxes, he's a champion of the Bantamweight right now. She said, are you kidding? There's no difference between sexes. If Mike Tyson, you know, she's speaking about in his prime, right? She decided he's a woman and got in there with the women. 
don't tell me there's no difference. It's ridiculous. And we know it's ridiculous. But the emperor has no clothes. And I thought, I used that example of the little boy that shouted it out. You know what happened just last week? Two boys, 12, 13-year-olds or so, UK school, were disagreeing with the teacher, saying, you can't say you identify as a cat, which I thought that's interesting because I use lycanthropy where people can't identify with animals. We know it's a mental illness. And this was considered a mental illness just a few years ago, guys. That's how fast everything's changing. Well, well, how do you help people? Well, first of all, the mothers need help, but the kids need help too. Well, what if the mother had nothing to do with it? Then you deal with it as a mental sickness, okay? You don't, you don't say, yeah, you're really a cat. And one of the boys said, you're not a cat, you know? If, if a guy that says he's a cat's not a cat. Another said, yeah, if you're a guy, you're not a woman. And she, said, she threatened, she said, I'm going to kick you guys out of this school, you know? And it's a big news story right now. I thought that's like the emperor's no clothes story I told years ago. And it's just happening before our eyes. And lycanthropy all rolled in one. This is very, very sad what is going on, guys. And it's interesting to me because the scriptures warn in the last days people would be without natural affection. And they'd be proud. And Jesus said, we just like it was in the days of Lot, Sodom and Gomorrah. And Revelation 11 says parts of the world would be like Sodom and Egypt in the end days, in the book of Revelation. We're getting there. So instead of conforming to the world, the Bible says don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Amen? We want to make sure that we heed God's warnings. You know, the Carpathia, they fell asleep. So when the distress signals went out from the Titanic as it's sinking, the Carpathia didn't hear because they went to sleep. They didn't hear the help, the distress signals. But guess who did? Another ship. I'm sorry. The Californian did not hear. They gave the warnings, but they fell asleep. They turned their things off. They went down. But another ship called the Carpathia, they heard the warnings, and they responded. And they rescued 712 people I think what's interesting about this is Captain Arthur Rostrin. Guess what he was doing with regard to all the icebergs that were all around him, praying, humbling himself before God. And he was a hero that night. Uh, he went down as the main hero. As the sun rose, he saw, that, he, he, he saw that, quote, all around us were dozens and dozens of icebergs, some comparatively close, others far away, on the horizon, lowering up like, or towering up like cathedral spires. He made it his, uh, he made it, he stated, quote, I can only think, he said, that some other hand than mine was on the helm during that night. Amen. He was seen muttering prayers and he gave glory to God. God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. And last, yesterday when we did a funeral, I talked briefly about the sub that went down the Titan to look at the Titanic and how we are all looking at that and they didn't heed the warnings. I didn't go into depth like I did today. And will you heed the warnings? And I told them, God's given you not six warnings, but more warnings than six. Something like that, I said. Guess what God's warned you with? He warned you with, he's given you a conscience, right? Romans 1, Romans 1 says you've given a conscience that lets you know there's a difference between right and wrong. And you feel bad. That's why we have guilt when we do wrong, Right? That's why we feel good when we do something right and we help somebody. We have a conscience. Romans 2 talks about that, that God's law is written on our hearts. There's a conviction 
of God's law, what's right and wrong in our hearts. Thirdly, there's also creation. Creation shouts out that there's a creator. Day after day and night after night, the heavens declare the glory of God. Amen? You can't look at things and say, oh, this is a big accident. You're not thinking if you do that. You're using it as an excuse. The Bible says those who, those who jettison the message of creation, which shows that the divine power of God, they're without excuse on Judgment Day. Romans 1.20. So there's light of creation. There's a light of conscience. There's a conviction of God's law. There's also the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Because Jesus said in John 16, 8-11 that the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Amen? So the Holy Spirit convicts people. There's also the, there's also the, the, light, of, or the, the light of Christ. Amen? John 1, 9. Christ enlightens the heart of everyone, it says, that comes into the world. Amen? And Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. He that follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Amen? And in John 12, Jesus says, embrace the light. Walk in the light while you have the light. So you become children of the light. For a time will come when you will not have the light, and it will be darkness. Night will come. But Jesus said, this is the condemnation that men love darkness more than light. And they refuse to come to the light lest their deeds would be exposed. So people reject all these warnings. There's the light of charis, which is in Titus chapter 2, you know, that the grace, grace is a, the Greek word's charis, the charis of God. The grace of God has appeared, that brings salvation has appeared to all men, amen? But people reject God's wooing. They reject his prevenient grace whereby he draws people to himself. The conviction of the Holy Spirit, how, you know, how long will you continue to resist the Holy Spirit, Paul says, or Stephen says in Romans 7. You can quench the Spirit, Ephesians chapter 4. You can despise the Spirit of grace, Hebrews chapter 10. You can, you can blaspheme the Holy Spirit, Matthew chapter 12. Do not fail to heed God's warnings. Then there's a light of the cross, amen? There's a light of Christ, Lightens our hearts, but there's a light of the cross, what he did on the cross. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. Amen? So he's drawing everybody. But many are resisting. Amen? Then there's a the light of his second coming when he'll come back like lightning shining from the east to the west. But you want to make sure you come to Christ because that's the iceberg. He's the iceberg, man. If you don't know him, you will be judged by him. The Bible says, the point of man wants to die, but after this, the judgment. Amen? You need to embrace the Lord Jesus Christ now. You need to humble yourself if you haven't been saved yet. God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. You will have no excuse on judgment day. You'll say, well, what about those who didn't hear all these C's? Maybe they just have conscience, and they just have the conviction of this and the light of that, but they don't have this, this, and this, this. What about them? They have a better excuse than you do. That's what I'll say about them. Amen? You need to embrace Jesus Christ right now. God gives sufficient light for everybody to be saved. He died for everyone. It doesn't well that any would perish. But he's given you so much light, including this message. If you haven't embraced Jesus Christ, you need to repent right now and turn to him. Because Jesus said, as I mentioned earlier in this message, unless you repent, you all likewise, what? Perish. You'll end up in hell forever. You know how much it costs to get on the sub where these people were just destroyed? A quarter of a million dollars. A lot of money to go die in a horrible way. Guess how much money it costs to come to Christ? It's free, and it doesn't end like that. Or at the end of the bottom of the Atlantic, it ends where? In eternal life with Jesus and his kingdom forever and ever. 
Man, you don't only get warnings what not to go to. Don't turn this way. Don't go that way. Stop your process. Don't say, shut up, shut up, shut up, God, I'm busy. Because you'll shut God up to the point where God will say, okay, you don't want to hear from me? You're going to hear from me in the end, though. Because you're going to be separated from me in outer darkness forever and ever. But if you say yes to God, you don't only not go to hell, you get the most beautiful place in existence forever and ever in God's presence. How could you reject such an offer? Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary, who are heavily burdened. I will give you rest for your souls. Amen. You'll be forgiven of your sins. The guilt that you have because of your sin, you'll be forgiven. And now you can rejoice instead of feel guilty and say, thank you, Jesus, for saving me because all my sins have been forgiven. Because in light of the cross, Jesus paid for your sins and he yelled out, to die," which means paid in full. Amen. All the crimes that you committed against God have been paid for. But they won't be forgiven until you say, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. I repent and turn to you and put my faith in Jesus Christ. And you'll receive the free gift of eternal life. I encourage you to do that now. Thank you, guys. I love you guys. Uh, can we all please stand up? We're going to pass out the cup and the bread. Can we do this kind of quick, guys?